0: Welcome back to the Business Networking Show. Thank you for tuning in. This is the podcast brought to you by Your Partnerships. And um, we have something completely different for you now. This is the first of our Health and Wellbeing Forum. What we used to do with face-to-face networking events when they were allowed, if you can remember that far back, uh, is we used to do industry-specific events where we would bring people from the same industry together uh, so that they can make collaborations. Because if you can collaborate with what effectively known to you as a competitor you can actually get a stronger connection with customers you have a stronger business Uh, we always have a saying in your partnerships that competition is good but collaboration is better so if you can find a way to work together with the people within your industry believe me it does work and you have a really really good business if you join it all together um so yeah this is the first of our industry specific online events Health and Wellbeing Forum. So we have three speakers on this one. It's Kate Guest, Amy Crawford, and Kelly Swaby. Enjoy.
1: Without further ado, uh, we're going to start. Uh, and um, Amy from Cornwall Training is uh, here to talk about. Uh, Oh, she corrects me if i'm wrong mental health in the workplace <laughs> i'm looking for that nod uh, so yeah she's going to talk about that for about 10 minutes uh, and then we'll move on to kate guest who'll be talking about reducing and removing pain and then kelly's going to be talking about uh, hormonal and menstrual issues and have to do with them amy would you like to start please
2: hi everyone uh, thanks for taking the time to listen today uh, so i'm amy and i do business development for cornwall training consultancy so we are a training provider and health and safety consultancy support service based in St Austell, but we do cover most of the southwest.
1: Thank you, Amy. And for someone that wanted to get that over, you know, get to be first and do it, you did really well. So well done. You came across really well. So uh, thank you. So, so, what we'll do, if if it's okay with everyone, we'll leave the questions to the breakout rooms where people can ask questions and we'll rotate those round. Okay. Uh, that first video was really powerful. Wow. Um, get a note there. So well done, Amy. Uh, So if we can move on to Kate, I'm looking forward to these as well. So yeah, go ahead, Kate.
3: Thank you. Well, yes, I'm Kate Guest and I had 35 years in the nursing profession. So I've got a good clinical background. Nowadays, I work in integrative therapy. So I integrate hypnosis, neuro-linguistic program, energy, healing, all sorts of different techniques. And I'm delighted to be talking to you today about one of my most passionate subjects that I use this in, which is pain reduction and removal. So do you or does someone you know suffer with chronic long-standing pain? And let me ask you, is that pain of any use to you? Is it stopping you from doing something? And if you want to be free from that pain, would that be disadvantaged to you in any way? In other words, what is that pain getting you or giving you Does the pain allow you to not do something? Chronic pain, whether it's emotional or physical, is a huge burden for the individual and society, and the emotional and financial costs are enormous. The current standard treatment for chronic pain is usually physical manipulation and painkillers. And even the words we use, think about it, painkiller, gives us a hint of what we're doing wrong. The treatments available are often inadequate. Patients are told to manage their pain but who wants to manage their pain? Wouldn't it be better to reduce it or remove it altogether? Does that sound like a better option? So what if you can reduce or fully remove long-term pain? So later on in this meeting you're going to hear from Sinead, I hope, I know she's on the call today, thank you Sinead, and she can tell you firsthand what it's like to let go of chronic long-standing pain, stiffness, and the pure draining tiredness and the lack of energy that goes with it because we've been working together for a few weeks now. Now, acute pain is useful pain. It tells us to take action or to seek help for treatment or assistance. Chronic pain, on the other hand, is persistent. It's pain that's outlived its purpose and that's what I'm talking about today. It can be unrelenting and unremitting, often out of proportion its severity and the disruption to daily life that it causes. Now acute pain is there to protect us to signal a warning and the resulting action that we need to take. Think of a fire alarm. There's a fire in the building and the fire alarm goes off. Everybody evacuates the building. The fire is put out, the threat of danger is passed. However, the fire alarm keeps ringing and no matter the change in the building over time, it in really for years and years. This is chronic pain. The pain message is no longer necessary and yet the pain persists. Now I spoke earlier about emotional pain and the pain of sadness, grief, loss, bitterness and shame, heartbreak. Have you ever heard of broken heart syndrome? It's called, if I can get this right, Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. So called cool because the heart bulges to resemble the Japanese fishing pot to the same name. So yes, it is possible to die of a broken heart. And I've worked with two females who have had this, fortunately, they obviously survive. It's more common in women than men. But back to pain, it's estimated that 20% of people, I think it could be more, are experiencing chronic pain at any time. And of course, this can result in restricted mobility, reduced availability to carry out daily activities, dependence on large doses of medication, as well as depending on other people, and of course, anxiety and depression is often experienced too. There is a reduced quality of life and poor prognosis for the future, as it's often comorbidity, that's the chance of there being more than one illness. So until recently, we had only the biomedical model, meaning it was a physical problem, and it's treated as such, with physical medical solutions, as I said, such as physiotherapy, physical manipulations, and medication. And remember, medication does have its place but in my 35 years of nursing, it means I can tell you it's not without multiple side effects. So this model can result in say, multiple investigations, treatments, long waiting lists. But I work with the biopsychosocial model. So what do I mean by this? Well, With the biological, it's the actual damage to the body or a system leading to dysfunction. The psychological is the emotions and beliefs and behaviors at the time and ongoing. And the sociological part is our environment, the care we receive, the support we have as a society that we live in, and also our environment, as in where we live, our homes and our communities. So what happens when you experience emotional or physical trauma? Well, cortisol and adrenaline, those levels are really useful in emergency, the fight, flight, freeze response. when we need to rise quickly to deal with the injury or the threat of a marauding lion. However, Prolonged output of these hormones results in muscle destruction, bone and neural tissue damage and creates the right conditions for chronic pain. So nowadays we have perceived threat rather than the real threat. And this perceived threat results in the chronic pain. So what can we do to relieve being stuck in this freeze mode? Well, let's see how we can make the pain worse to start with. You can ramp up the pain or at least maintain it with fearful, catastrophic thoughts by focusing or ruminating about pain, by having negative emotions, for example, anger, by withdrawing, isolating, and being inactive. So I often have clients that come to me and say, my anxiety, my insomnia, my fibromyalgia. People are wearing them like labels and the youngsters are doing this a lot too. So I invite anybody that's saying that, take that label off, put it in the bin, leave it, and let it get taken away with the trash. You don't need it any longer. And what can you do? What else can you do to help yourself? What you can do the opposite to things I've just mentioned by just stepping out of the freeze mode, by reframing your thoughts and resulting actions, by looking at what you can do rather than what you can't do, and building up from there. By making a decision to be pain-free, to by learning resilience, fortitude. By doing selfless acts for others, by starting new things like hobbies that you can do, or reading books such as The Body Keeps a Score. that's a tip-top book to read. And understand why you're experiencing long-term pain and other conditions, or by speaking with someone like myself, who know how to work with you, to know what questions to ask, to look out for movements in the body in response to those questions, by teaching, mentoring, and supporting you to let go of pain. The next thing to do is to consider your sleep. Now, we don't have time to cover this today. However, I do have a regular hour-long sleep webinar. I can offer that to you through your partnerships as well. So just a quick word about sleep. It's so important and some of us will purposefully not get enough sleep because we want to get so much done in the day and that's not good. Now, some rare individuals really can survive healthily on just four hours a night. They have a specific gene However, as I said, it's rare. Then there are those for whom sleep is like a slippery snake. For many, that snake can be caught, banished, and their sleep can be significantly improved. So with COVID affecting so many traditional services making waiting times even longer, and now knowing that there's an alternative, what are you gonna do about your long-standing pain today? So thank you for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on another Your Partnerships meeting.
1: So, Sinead, did you want to say anything now?
4: Yeah, I can do. I'd just like to to really give her a huge recommendation for Kate and the work that she does. As she as she was saying, she, she helps you deal with pain. Pain comes from trauma, in my case, from trauma in my past. Everyone has trauma of some kind in their life. But Kate doesn't make me relive that trauma, discuss that trauma, go into that trauma. It's a very... Um, it's not intrusive, it's not invasive. Kate's very calm, she has a lovely way about her. And in three sessions, my, I, I, without exaggerating at all my life has completely changed now, today. Um, I've been out this morning wandering around Truro with shopping bags and things that I just couldn't do before. And I couldn't do them without help. And I couldn't, certainly couldn't do that and then do something else in the afternoon. I would be in bed now sleeping and um, the, the change is, is immeasurable in what she's done. And I'm sure, I think I've still got a, a ways to go. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that with Kate's help, there will come a time that I will be not only pain-free, I'll be drug-free and I'll have my life back. And it's all, all thanks to Kate. Love Lovely. Thank you
3: so much, right. thank you.
1: Great story, great story, right. Kelly.
2: So afternoon, everybody. Um, For those of you that don't know me, I'm Kelly and I'm a women's health and life coach. I help women who feel burnt out um, off their game or generally just feel at odds with their body feel like themselves again. And I specialize in hormonal health, menstrual health, um, stress management and self care. Um, Therefore, it probably comes as no surprise that my presentation this afternoon is all about hormones and I've called it hormonal symphony. And there's a reason for that, which I'll come on to in a minute. But to start with, there is a saying that goes, if our hormones are balanced, we will feel balanced. And there's a lot of truth in that saying, um, because our hormones play a significant role in our health and well-being. So if there is an imbalance of some kind for whatever reason, it will show up or you will feel it um, in one way or another. And that might be subtly or it might be more chronically, but it will show up. Um, But first a little bit of science. So if I just go to the next page. um, So what are hormones and why are they so important? Well, hormones are amazing chemical messengers um, that control All our bodily functions, really. And I've listed some of the key ones down there. So development and growth, reproduction, sexual function, menstrual health, as already mentioned, cognitive health, moods, emotion, appetite, etc. Controlling stress. Kate mentioned about sleep. It's heavily involved in the sleep cycle, the hormones or some of the hormones are heavily involved in the sleep cycle, muscle mass, healthy weight, et cetera, et cetera. And they all sit under a system called the endocrine system, which is very much like the nervous system, but instead of um, electrical um, signals, it uses glands to secrete um, hormones and it attaches itself to receptors. And we have, all, uh, we have endocrine receptors everywhere within the body. Um, And essentially it's designed to help us thrive and it's designed to maintain homeostasis within the body, AKA balance. Um, The the endocrine system has been likened to an orchestra, hence the title of my presentation, because when our hormones are working properly and they're doing what they need to do and it's the right levels, etc, then the hormonal orchestra will sound and play amazingly. Unfortunately, when there is an imbalance for whatever reason, then obviously the orchestra doesn't play as well and it doesn't sound so well. So um, like I said, hormones are essential to keeping us healthy. Our hormones will naturally fluctuate at certain times in our life for both men and women. So puberty being a, a time when hormones will fluctuate. Likewise, especially for women, our hormones will fluctuate um, during menstrual cycle, our first uh, period as women, as girls. Likewise, pregnancy, perimenopause and menopause, or andropause, which is the male equivalent to the menopause. Um, So that is a time where hormones will naturally fluctuate. Um, Modern day life, obviously, life in the fast lane, as it were, we now live in a culture where it's on, we're switched on 24-7, seven days a week, we don't switch off. Um, So yeah, unfortunately, it is having an impact on our hormonal health. Um, And stress has been shown to be a a key endocrine disruptor, which means it plays a significant role in disrupting our hormone balance. Um, And for me, I see stress as a bit of an umbrella term really, um, that refers to either an internal or an external factor um, that switches on the body's stress response. Um, And I like to break these um, different types of stresses down into different um, areas, especially when I'm talking and working with clients on their hormonal health. So whether that be physical stress, so we're talking things like injury, medical condition, pain as Kate was talking about, lack of sleep, or dietary stress, so that can include things like the foods that we eat and the, um, what we drink and how we consume and how our food is produced. Emotional stress, which can be anything from work-related, family-related, health-related stress, financial worries. I did put commuting, but that's because I used to live in London, and that was definitely stressful. Yeah. Um, and environmental stress. So daily pollutions. So allergens. Unfortunately, there are a lot of allergens um, in certain things, in the air, etc., and in skincare products. Um, Our just general living environment can be seen and act as a stress Um, even down to the soil and the water that we drink and household cleaners have all been shown to have an impact on our endocrine system. Um, Statistics show that hormonal imbalances, especially in women, are much more common than what was thought previously and thankfully it is now starting to be talked about more, which is fantastic. Um, And over the last few years, there's been a number of studies that have been conducted specifically on hormonal health. And there was one particular study that I wanted to talk about today because it was commissioned by someone who essentially inspired me really to get into the work that I do. Um, She she was one of my lecturers on my course, and I loved the work that she did. She specializes in menopausal, um, supporting menopausal women and going through the perimenopause and menopause time of Life, um, but she's based in the states. She's called Dr. Anna Quebeca, and she commissioned a study about two years ago um, on around two thousand women. Um, and the stats really, yeah, uh, they really told a story. To be honest, so the out of the um, uh, survey, forty three percent of women said that their hormones had negatively affected their overall well being. 47 said they had experienced the symptoms of hormonal imbalance, and sadly, 72% of the participants had only realized later on that their hormones were to blame for how they were feeling. And I can totally relate to that because that's very much kind of where my story came from, which I won't talk too much about today, but it's one of the reasons why I got into the work that I do. And likewise, the same study showed that the average age when these women experienced or started to experience symptoms associated with hormonal imbalance was at 36 years of age. Now, I can say and um, can vouch for this because it was 35. I was 35 when I completely crashed and burnt out and hormonal imbalance um, definitely played a major role in that. So what are the signs and symptoms, or some of the signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalance in women? So they include fatigue, um, lack of energy, brain fog, irregular periods, um, excruciating painful periods, stubborn weight gain, lack of concentration, um, low libido, anxiety, depression, problems sleeping, insomnia, insomnia is something I've experienced because of it, headaches, Um, mood swings, irritability, night sweats, digestive issues. Unfortunately, the list is somewhat uh, exhausted, but that just gives you some of the key signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalance in women in particular. The good news is, so it's not all doom and gloom, the good news is, um, thankfully, there are a number of lifestyle Um, factors that we can use or or create habits for ourselves that can have a real positive impact on our hormonal symphony or hormonal health. And as a health and life coach, this is exactly what I help my clients to do. Um, And I use a lot of the tools that I myself have personally used on my um, healing journey as well. So what are some of the ways that we can um, implement that can help our hormonal health? Diet is one of them. Diet's a big area. Um, And I'm not talking about going on a really strict, restrictive diet. I'm just talking about eating healthy. So things like reducing sugar, um, ensuring that we avoid unhealthy fats and stick to healthy fats and fibres, avoiding too much caffeine, reducing our alcohol intake, um, uh, eating low GL foods. um, So just to obviously help uh, manage our blood sugar levels. Um, how we eat and when we eat also plays an impact on that, but it's something I won't go into too much today. Exercise. Now I don't need be telling you the benefits of exercise. However, some exercise has been shown to have a negative impact on our hormonal, and especially menstrual health. And it has been shown to actually switch off those hormones, which have meant that some women have missed periods, etc. So it's about finding exercise that works for you, Pilates, yoga, hit so high intensity interval training has been shown to be good for hormonal health or menstrual health in particular. Promoting a good sleep regime. Um, So things like switching off tech early, journaling, having a nice hot bath, a dark room. I wear an eye mask that helps me sleep, but just having a, a, a kind of a really good sleep regime. Um, ensuring that you practice self-care daily and then this this isn't always easy we're busy of course but just making sure that we spend a bit of time each day just on ourselves so things like mindfulness um, meditation breath work uh, journaling social media free time we do spend a lot of time on social media it's something that I've started to reduce um, because I was myself feeling the impact of kind of what's been uh, going on over the last few months so and I now have a uh, weekend free social media and it, yeah it's amazing I I would uh, advise it for anyone um, and getting out in nature so things like forest bathing if you've heard of forest bathing being amongst the trees has been shown to be good for us but just getting out and about and yeah being outside has been shown to just bring the body back into a calm state so switching off that stress response and something that I'm a real advocate for is working with our menstrual cycle. So this means observing and tracking our monthly cycle. Um, so to increase awareness on our energy levels, mood, um, clarity, productivity at any given time through the month, this in turn can allow you to possibly kind of schedule your month around kind of when you have more energy, etc. So for example, I don't have any meetings um, when it's my time of the month, because I'm just not gonna be at my best self. So I now schedule my month as much as I can around my cycle. And even if you are perimenopausal or have gone through the menopause, you can still track your energy through the month. And this in turn can help you, yeah, just schedule your obligations, etc., cetera. Um, yeah, as best you can. So um, I hope, what I've shared today is its a bit of a whistle stop, but it just gives you an overview of kind of hormones and how they can impact our health and well-being, and why it's important that we promote our hormonal health. Um, in in turn reducing the likelihood of having kind of the not so nice symptoms that come along with when our hormones have been impacted um, and if you would like further support then I've um, next week I'm going to be launching my first ebook which is all about hormonal symphony so I'll be putting links when I do your partnership as of next week um, and I also offer one-to-one uh, coaching sessions and coaching programs for anyone that's looking to promote their
1: hormonal health and that's it. Thank you Kelly, thank you very much. Three great presentations and hopefully that's given everyone an insight into uh, a little bit more about what they do and how we can help them and, and, and share that information with people that we know and that's what it's all about. That's why I spoke to Brock and wanted to do this, um, this type of event.
0: thank you everybody for listening to this episode thank you to Warren D'Souza our host for the health and Wellbeing forum and thank you to our speakers Kate Guest Amy Crawford and also Kelly Swaby don't forget you can subscribe to this make sure you rate and review as well and pop across to the website www.yourpartnerships.co.uk for full details on all of the upcoming networking events see you soon